church. Uh huh. We will talk about this later. Yeah. morning everyone we're gonna give folks just a couple more minutes we know it's kind of slippery out there so we're just gonna um, wait a couple more minutes and uh, give t people a little more time to join us this morning okay, okay. <laughs> thank you <laughs>
if I, if I were Paul or if Paul had his voice, it would be story time right now. But Paul has no voice. Good morning again, Renew. Good morning, everyone. Good morning to everyone online. It's so great to be gathered together uh, physically here in this building and also with you virtually for those who can join us this morning. Um, glad you all made it here safely. And um, we're just looking forward to this time together this morning to be in community with one another. And I don't know about you guys, but this season is always um, just really chaotic for me. I know I'm not alone in that. And so I just invite you all into this space to take a deep breath. And um, to center yourself in the Lord. And uh, hopefully this is a space of peace for you and a space where we can all be reminded of his goodness and love. If you would rise with me if you're able this morning and we can join together in song to start our time of worship together this morning. <clears throat>
I will be yours, oh, I will be yours. 
Heavenly Father, Lord, we are here standing in your presence wanting to be led, God. We know, Lord, that you will lead us into goodness, Lord. We, we stand here saying, God, we want all of it. We want all of it. Please um, give us your peace, Lord. Give us your joy in this season. And we just pray that you would help our time together this morning be a time of, um, of, that's glorifying to you, God. A time where our conversations are glorifying to you. A time where we feel healing and restoration in the company of the body of believers, Lord. We love you and we praise you. In your name, amen. Go ahead and be seated. And I'd like to invite the Cabellian family up this morning as we are lighting our Advent candles. And they will be leading us this morning in the lighting of our candle for love. Good morning. The one you have been waiting for is on his way. Malachi tells us that the messenger who will prepare us is on, his, is on the way. We will be shaped into the finest silver and gold made fit for God. Will we be ready for the change? We will look for the opportunities to grow, stretch, and serve them even when it takes effort and pushes us away from the status quo. Let us look to love others even when it is costly. Isaiah chapter 1, verses 1 through 10. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The spirit of understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of the knowledge and fear of the Lord. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide what he hears with his ears, but with righteousness he will judge the needy. With justice he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. With breath of his lips he will slay the wicked. Righteousness will be his belt and faithfulness the sash around his waist. The wolf will live with the lamb, the leopard will lie down with the goat, and the calf and the lion, uh, and the yearling together. And the little child will lead them. The cow will feed them uh, with the bear, and their young will lie down together. The lion will eat straw like the ox. The infant will play near a cobra's den, and the young child will put its hand into the viper's nest. They will, be, they will neither warm nor destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. In that day, uh, the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the peoples. The nations will rally to him, and his resting place will be glorious. Let us pray together. God, you created us and you restore us. Time after time, you give us the opportunity to open ourselves to your presence. Shape us into the persons you would have us be. Grant us the patience and the strength to heed the warnings of the prophets that we might greet with joy the coming of Christ, our Redeemer. 
Amen. We light these two candles to light the way into our Advent journey. Thank you, Cabellian family. You guys notice Paul is silent. <laughs> Paul does not have his voice. Uh, now we're going to go ahead and have our time of greeting and connection this morning. So I invite you to grab a cup of tea or coffee and uh, say hello to one another. And um, is there an icebreaker question? Did you play in the snow? We want to hear all about it, OK? And then we'll gather back in a little bit for more time of worship together.
I'd love to invite you all to start making your way back in as we regather. I'll wait as folks kind of come in. I do have some announcements this morning. Announcements. Fun Advent season announcements. So we have a lot of fun things coming up in the weeks ahead. I'm going to run through some of them. Of course, you can also head to our website and check the calendar because they're on the calendar. So you don't have to remember everything I say this morning, but I'll go ahead and let you know anyway what we've got going on. We have youth group this coming Wednesday at 630. That's on a, that's on a rescheduled date because of a uh, a snow day last week. So it will be youth group here this Wednesday at 6.30 with Pastor Dave. December 17th is a pretty busy day. If your young kids are going to be in the nativity play, there's a practice at 10 a.m. So Miss Margarita will have more information for you on that, but that's a 10 a.m. practice for the kids who are going to be doing the nativity play. And at 5 o'clock is the Youth Minute to Win It and Christmas Party Night. And that is, again, December 17th. So that's open to all youth. And we're pretty flexible in our youth ages, but I think we've been saying 7th grade and up. Um, and and invite, invite your friends to that. Feel free to invite your friends to that. That's a, that's a place for everyone to just come have a good time, play some Minute to Win It games, get some prizes. December 18th is going to be a gingerbread house making party after service here. And if you want to chat with Denise about that, Denise, if Denise, you want to wave? Denise is kind of spearheading that up. So um, I think she would love some RSVPs if you plan to join. All are welcome to that. And also we wanted to let you know that you might have seen the white flocked tree um, out in the narthex. That's a formal word, right? Can I call it a narthex? Okay, uh, <laughs> and there's a basket alongside that tree with some ornaments that have um, the names of God written on them and some scriptures that go along. So we wanted to give you all an opportunity throughout this Advent season to really keep the focus on God, and we invite you to grab an ornament, take a look at that verse, um, meditate for a little bit on what that name of God means to you in your life, and hang your ornament on the tree, and that's going to be there throughout the season. So anytime you want to do that, please feel free to do so and hang as, hang as many as you feel led to hang. Do one every week if you like. Okay? <clears throat> All right, if you'd like to rise, we're going to sing some more songs this morning. And uh, I love a good Christmas song, so we've got a couple Advent songs for us here in this season this morning now. <clears throat>
Amen. I want to encourage and remind you all to still think of the words of these songs. I know sometimes we get stuck thinking that they're just Christmas carols, but these are praise and worship songs too. So as we do another one here, do you hear what I hear? Let's, let's make sure that we don't lose sight of the words that we're singing on these songs this morning, yes? <clears throat> Good boy. 
the child, the child. The child, the child, sleeping in the night, he will bring us goodness and light. He will bring us goodness and light. Heavenly Father, the bringer of goodness and light, Lord, we are so thankful for you, Lord. We are thankful this morning throughout the day, every day this week, every week of this season, Lord. We are here to say thank you, we love you, and we praise you. Amen. You guys can go ahead and have a seat. I'll be doing our scripture reading this morning, and if you wanted to look it up on your phone or if you have your own Bible, it will be Matthew 3, 1 through 12. And I will be reading from the NIV version. Heavenly Father, um, as we read your word this morning, Lord, I just pray that you would prepare our hearts for the message that it is that you want to speak to us, Lord. We know that you have a message for each and every one of us, Lord, a unique an individual and personal message for each of us. We just pray that you would open our ears and soften our hearts so that we might receive your word this morning. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is he who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight the paths for him. John's clothes were made of camel's hair, and he had a leather belt around his waist. His food was locusts and wild honey. People went out to him from Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region of the Jordan. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to where he was baptizing, he said to them, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath, produce fruit in keeping with repentance, and do not think you can say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. This is the word of the Lord.
And during Advent, um, we usually preach through the lectionary, and the lectionary is a schedule of scriptures that mark the uh, church calendar. And um, if you want to just look up revised stand or revised common lectionary on Google, and you can find a, a schedule of that. And there's usually like a first reading, a second reading, a gospel reading, um, and a New Testament reading. And so I'm in the gospel reading. This is Matthew 3, 1 through 12. Um, and so there are many, many churches around the world, around uh, across the country that are um, reading the same passage and um, listening to teaching from the same passage. So in that sense, uh, the lectionary allows us to um, hold things in common and be unified and, um, and be in rhythm um, with what God is doing, the season in which we are at as we anticipate and wait for the coming Jesus. Um, There you go. So I did the question, uh, the uh, icebreaker question, icebreaker question. The icebreaker question uh, today was, did you play in the snow? And um, I almost played in the snow. Yesterday I played in the ultimate tournament um, at Magnuson Park. And I was fully anticipating playing in snow and hoping that it wasn't like ice, like we'd be diving around in like hard packed snow and ice. But at Magnuson Park, it's near the coastline, it's near the water, and so there was actually no snow on the ground. But I had all my smart wool on and like layers and layers of clothing, and it ended up being pretty sunny. Um, so I didn't play in the snow. I worked in the snow every morning, like scraping uh, ice and snow off of my wife's car as she, before she went to work because I'm a loving, caring husband. And, uh, um, and uh, doing a little shoveling out there, but it kept snowing, so I'm like, just don't sue us if you slip on the sidewalk. So, um, Thinking about paths and thinking about streets and thinking about ways, right? Usually, we're people that like to go from point A to point B without any obstacles, without being slowed down, without danger, without rain and wetness and ice. And uh, when it snows, especially in Seattle, it seems like everything shuts down, right? If you're from the Midwest, people are used to it. It always snows. It's always freezing. There's plenty of snow plows clearing the streets. People are prepared. But for some reason, if it snows for like two inches in Seattle or, you know, the Puget Sound area, it just, you know, it shuts down. Schools shut down. People are sliding down, you know, uh, hilly streets and stuff like that. Maybe it's because there's too many two-wheel drive cars. Um, but the ways are not always straight. The way is not always direct. The way is not is fraught with danger and obstacles and slipping around. And it can get frustrating. Um, and the tire shops are all booked with cars trying to change into snow tires. So I always forget that. So I try to change my get new tires in the winter, but it's always packed. It's hard uh, to get, just get in without an appointment. But John, we're introduced to John the Baptist in this passage, and 
The scripture says, In those days John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. And this is he who was spoken through the prophet Isaiah, a voice calling in the wilderness, Prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight paths for him. And as I read this, it's kind of like John the Baptist is a pretty serious guy. It's like, he's not here to have fun or, you know, wait, just wait. Jesus is coming. The Messiah is coming. It's going to be a party. It's going to be a banquet. Introducing Jesus. So repent. Repent. And I think, you know, I mean, to be honest, as a preacher, as a pastor, when I kind of get uneasy when I preach about repentance, or especially in these days, teach about repentance or teach about sin or preach on that, because it's much easier and actually funner and get more laughs when you preach about hope, right? And joy and love, all and peace, all the words that we have up in the sanctuary, all the words, um, all the themes of Advent, all the things that we associate with Christmas time and Jesus coming, the angels and the shepherds and the sheep and kids having Christmas pageants and all of this joy to the world, peace on earth, Jesus is coming. But John is a party pooper, right? He says hard things. He says hard things. He's like, it snowed, right? And you like the powdery stuff. If you're a skier, it's that fresh powder. He's not that. He's like, it rained afterwards, and then it got cold at night, and it froze over. So it's like, crunchy snow, right? John the Baptist is the crunchy one. And as we read more of this uh, uh, passage, John the Baptist is preaching in the wilderness, basically in that area, it's the desert. He's preaching in the desert, and it describes his that his clothes were made of camel's hair, and he had a leather belt around his waist. His food was locusts and honey. And I think this description connects him, John the Baptist, in the tradition of the prophets of the Old Testament, right? And so he's referred to, John the Baptist is referred to as one of the, is, as the last prophet, right? A bridge between the Old and the New Testaments. And even later on in Matthew, um, he's described as coming in the power of Elijah. In Matthew 17, 9 through 13, the disciples realize, as Jesus is talking about Elijah coming to prepare the way and point to the Christ, it says the disciples realized that Jesus was talking about John the Baptist. So John the Baptist is this second Elijah figure. And Elijah was, as many of the prophets in the Old Testament, came into the cities, came into the places preaching repentance, saying, you know, preaching doom and gloom. If you don't turn away from your sin, judgment is coming. Not an easy thing. That's why the prophets were often beaten. The prophets were often killed because they came into situations where people were doing well or thriving or succeeding and, and saying, no, actually, you're living unjust lives. You guys are living in sin. Repent. And actually, you're going to lose everything. 
right? So turn back to God. Not a popular figure. The other thing is, he ate, you know, I just imagine John the Baptist's hair just being wild and wearing camel clothing and eating locusts and wild honey. Just this kind of disheveled figure, just not a part of the culture, not hip with the current trends, but more kind of this weird off character in the desert. But people were coming out to the wilderness to listen to his teachings. And actually, if um, in church history, and Christian history, um, in the third century, um, if, you've, if you've ever read or heard about the Desert Fathers, right? The Desert Fathers were uh, these religious ascetics, right? And it, uh, and this was kind of the foundation or the basis later on of Christian monasticism and kind of the Benedictine and the monks, the monasteries, kind of people called, priests and monks called to live outside of, um, outside of normal society and choose a life of kind of self-denial and focus on God and living in seclusion. But the De- Desert Fathers in the third century would go out into the wilderness, and they would be hermits. A lot of them lived on their own and um, denied themselves kind of the worldly pleasures of normal food, uh, luxurious food, and riches and whatnot, and lived religious ascetic ascetic lives, right, of self-denial. But people would begin to come out into the desert to talk with these uh, desert fathers for wisdom, to, you know, for teaching, and then go back um, to their daily lives. And so they actually, the desert fathers, and then later on, uh, Christian monastics and monasteries often are still to this day kind of lift up John the Baptist as, oh, this is the father. Like we are modeling after John the Baptist because he lived in the wilderness. You know, he wore, the, he wore the clothing of prophets and he <laughs> ate locusts and wild honey and taught in the wilderness a message of repentance, of turning away from the ways of this world um, and focusing on Jesus. But how do we talk about sin in the church? Or how have you experienced sin and repentance taught in church or in Sunday school or growing up with your families. Um, I know there's a lot of ways that we talk about sin. You know, you can talk about sin as disobeying God. So repent, stop doing what you're doing, or beware of the fire, (laughs) you know, and the brimstone of hell, right? Choose God and let go of this or you'll go to hell, right? Another way to look at sin and repentance is sin is simply walking away in the opposite direction as God. And repentance, right, is literally turning around from your ways and walking towards Jesus, walking towards God again. And sometimes I think in our postmodern culture, society, um, it, we even talk about, hey, what's a sin for one person may not be a s- sinful for another person. What's right 
for you may not be right or may not be right for another person. It's relative. You got to take things in context. There's actually, right? Anyways, um, how do we, yeah, so reflecting on that, how do we talk about sin? How do we understand repentance? And sometimes it's hard to receive a hard teaching as it's hard to teach a hard teaching, right? But John the Baptist was in the tradition of the prophets and came hard, came hard. And the way I think about this is if you have a bully or a bad person making things difficult for another group of people, right? For more vulnerable people. And you're coming in and you're like, I want a better life for those people. I want peace. I want uh, joy. I want goodness. I want thriving for those other people. Come on. Do you say, hey, let's just, let's be happy. Let's party. Or do you have to knock the bully down first? And I think that's what I see in what in John's teaching and preaching is this voice calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight the paths. Literally in rocky, hilly, mountainous terrain, flatten it out, right? Clear all the snow. Come like a snow plow, right? Pushing away all of the snow so that Christ can come through. Push away the oppression. Push away the injustice. Push away the institutional sin, the systemic hurt, and make way for the Prince of Peace. Outside on that tree, we have the many names of God, the many names of Jesus. Prince of Peace, right? Emmanuel, God with us. Make way for the one who will bring peace and light. Are you with me, church? John the Baptist was sent by God in the power of Elijah. His role was to prepare the way for the Messiah who was to save the world from sin. His role was to point Jesus out to people. Here is Jesus. He's coming. And in a world that's noisy and there's clanging and there's competing voices of power, John the Baptist is like the, make way! Shut up! Stop doing what you're doing. Reorient your lives to Jesus. Reorient your lives to God. Amen? And if you notice, John, his whole identity is centered on Jesus and pointing the way towards Jesus. A lot of what he's saying is, I'm not Jesus. I'm not the Messiah. I am not the one who's to come and save the world. But I'm pointing to the one 
And Jesus, alternatively, is not saying, I am not. He's saying, I am. Just as God's name is I am. I am the one. John the Baptist saying, I am not the one. His whole identity is as a witness to the light of the world. John the Baptist's whole identity is, is relative to Jesus. Not Jesus, but pointing towards Jesus. This is the role of the prophet. This is the role of the follower of Jesus. That our lives are oriented around Jesus Christ. Our lives, we are not Jesus, but we point and we reflect the light of Jesus to the world saying, he's coming, he's coming, he's here. He's coming, he's coming. John the Baptist's other uh, kind of task or role was that he would also baptize Jesus, initiating Christ's messianic mission. Um, I have a slide, the next slide. Um, So there's this guy, Carl Ellis, and he talks about the window of righteousness. So in talking about evangelical church culture, he breaks down uh, these four quadrants, right? So if you, I'm just going to go up here, hopefully to get So here is piety, and here is justice. So piety would be doing what's right, is the vertical, right? Doing what's right before God. Whereas justice is doing what's right towards your neighbor, right? And then there's the personal, the individual, and the social, the communal. So for instance, if you take personal piety, it would be our personal vertical relationship with God, you know, what what are the rituals or the devotions um, that we do to be right with God personally. Then you have social piety, what do we do corporately as a community to be right with God? We We worship, we pray together, we sing together, we give praise. And then you come around to justice, there's personal justice. How we, how we personally, individually uh, do love our neighbor, right? Do what's right by our neighbor, other people who bear the image of God. And then there's social justice. Um, that's focused more on the corporate, the institutional. Like, what are the institutional hurts and wrongs against people, right? And what are we doing to fight systemic and social injustice, and that's social justice. And so Carl Ellis says that in the, these are all biblical. Each one of the quadrants is biblical, but as evangelicals, we tend to stay in the personal, like our major focus is the personal piety. My relationship with God, how do I, am I making it right with God? How Does Jesus forgive me for my sins? I need to repent and get right so I can go to heaven, right? And, you know, we kind of may go into the personal justice, right? Oh, I should make homeless packs, right? And, like, I should help the poor. I should, you know, lift up um, people who are struggling. I should forgive my neighbor. I should forgive my family members. And so oftentimes... 
we exist in here. He also makes the point that, uh, so he would say the white evangelical church focuses on this. But if you go to like the black church, like they'll talk about, right? Praying for our, our kids, you know, um, who are in the streets hurting one another or, the, you know, the injustices out there. There's a more kind of social aspect to things because it affects people. That's why you see many of the civil rights leaders are pastors, right? right? And they preach. And, and, and the white evangelical church will be like, oh, we shouldn't preach politics, right? And the black church, politics is like, right? Yeah, it's the gospel, right? Or like fighting against injustice is the gospel. And so the problem that happens is when some people are talking about Bible and justice and righteousness, they're in here, and other people are talking about righteousness here, it doesn't match, right? That's why there's misunderstanding. That's why we don't get each other, right? And Carl Ellis's point is we should all exercise, you know, the full four quadrants, right? That that's biblical. And so as we go back to John the Baptist, make way for the Messiah. Prepare the way for the Lord, right? Make straight the paths. Repent. Some of us may be like, oh, repent. Sorry, God. Forgive me, God. You know, I've been addicted to this. I've been not going to church. I've been not doing my devotions. I've been not praying. I've been mean to my wife or my husband. I've been, you know, yeah, I've been unfaithful in my workplace. And we focus on that and we, we see that. But when we look at the prophets in the Old Testament, it's not, right? It's so much more about the nation of Israel, right? Community. You have not loved the poor. You have not loved the widow. You have treated other people unjustly. And for that, right, I will judge you. Right? There's a corporate, there's way more sense of a corporate kind of interaction with God. Are you with me, church? So as John is saying, repent, yeah, repent me personally, repent and turn back towards Jesus, right, and orient my life towards Jesus, but it's also make way, right? Things cannot be right if there's still oppression and injustice systemically in our culture, in our society happening. How can we personally be right with God and people are suffering out here, right? Things aren't right in our, in our nation, in our country. Are you with me, church? And so John the Baptist is saying, make everything right. Make everything right. Jesus is coming to make all things right. Prepare the way. Repent. And then he has this interaction with the religious leaders, right? 
You brutal vipers, in the vein of Jesus, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath, produce fruit in keeping with repentance, and do not say, and do not think you can say to yourself, we have Abraham as our father. I, I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the trees. Every tree does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. Harsh, right? This is hard. Things being chopped down, things being cut, things being thrown into fire. But there's, there's hope in that, right? Even in the cutting, even as the axe cuts the tree, just as we prune our plants, there's hope. Even when a forest burns to the ground and there's just soot and ash, right? The ground is made more fertile and new plant life comes up again. And sometimes pruning is difficult, and, but is necessary for new life to come up again. And so on the personal level, where are the places in our lives that God is calling to make straight the paths to repent and turn? Or even, where are the places in your life where you feel like there has been an axe cutting things, cutting limbs off? And you're like, this hurts like heck. What is going on? Um, it may hurt in the evening, but in the morning will be new life. Right? That's the message in the wilderness. When you're in the desert, you're letting go, and it feels like things are being stripped. You're letting go of the things you usually hang on to. But in that desert is the vision, is new vision and new life. Corporately, right, as a church, we know we've experienced things changing, right? Things being stripped, right? It's a different, it's a different world. Like church has been a different place. We've gone through the desert. We've gone through the flood. We've had to make adjustments. We've had to let go of things. But it's been necessary. And in that wilderness, in the transition, there's a preparing, right? A preparation of the soil for God to grow something new. And then corporately, in, in the social sense, I think we can all say that we've been made more aware of the ugly things, right, in our society. If you didn't see it five years ago, you know, three years ago and forward, you've seen a lot. 
Like when you stir the hornet's nest, <laughs> mad hornets come out. Right? When you speak truth to power, right? The anger, the mad hornets come out. And there's been a lot of that happening. Our culture has been t- being turned upside down, right? Truth is being spoken, has been more so being spoken to power. And we've seen those in power, the power structures, fail and fail people and fail us. And so when we're in crisis situations, we see that. We see kind of the division in our culture, like how the divide has gotten wider and wider. And the question is, what does it look like for us as a church? What is our voice? What is, what is our witness, right? To point to Jesus who's coming, to make straight the paths, to prepare the way for the Lord. And my message to us is be ready, be alert, be faithful, be willing, be open to say yes to what Jesus is calling you to and to reflect the truth in Jesus. Um, a lot of people write about how John the Baptist was the hammer, right? It was like, repent. And then Jesus came like, I'm going to throw a party. There's even that interaction. Why is, you know, John the Baptist's disciples like fasting and suffering? And why is Jesus' disciples like partying up and drinking wine? Right? That's not fair. Jesus is like the fun guy. Jesus came. Though he spoke harsh words to power, truth to power, he also had a significant ministry in healing ministry, you know, compassion and love, right? Loving the weak and the poor, loving people, drawing people to him and saying, I'm the way, I love you. Um, and that's I'm at a loss for words that's that's our call is to speak truth so that love so that Christ can come into people's lives so much we are about establishing Obstacles, establishing tests for people, saying, you got to do this to come to Christ, rather than pushing away all the noise, the white noise, and all of um, the incorrect voices, and allowing people, inviting people, being hospitable, creating spaces for people to come to Jesus because he's the one to bring fruit into our lives. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. Thank you.
Um, thank you that you fight for us, that you fight, you are fighting for the world, you are fighting for your people, you're fighting for the ones that you love, and that you will be strong, and you'll, you'll push against the waves of the world to make way for love, to make way for peace, to make way for compassion, to make way for healing and redemption and restoration. And I pray that, um, that in this time, as we anticipate your coming, that our hearts, uh, that the Holy Spirit would come and make a way in our hearts um, to call us into repentance for the way, to letting go of the things that are not of you or are coming in the way from us loving you and loving other people and that your spirit would be moving in this church and the church at large and the world um, so that your love can be seen in the world. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Pastor Dave. I have a little story I want to share with you guys that came to mind while Pastor was preaching. And um, it's, it's something about this community that I wanted to share. I was not raised in a Christian home, and when I came to know the Lord, I definitely, my first few experiences with churches, definitely encouraged my individual piety and justice, the individual side for sure. They were, in fact, predominantly white churches, so exactly in line <laughs> with what Pastor was talking about. Um, and there was a lot of talk about making sure I was right with God, right? And I know that has absolutely shaped how I approach scripture. And we had a really beautiful experience at our Bible study a few weeks ago where we were studying um, the overlaps and nuanced differences between righteousness and goodness. And as we were discussing these topics uh, in my English translation of the Bible, I was reading the word you, and I very much read into that a very personal, individual, one person, you. And Guillermo pointed out that in his Spanish translation, it was actually ustedes, and it was a, a more plural connotation. And it flipped my head a little, you know? It took our conversation as a group in a different direction where we realized that, that you know, sometimes we see things as just individual, and in reality, as a body, as a body, we can be preparing the way, right? As a body, we can be... Um, preparing for that love of Christ. And so I just wanted to share with you how grateful I am to be in a body of believers that comes from all different backgrounds and speaks all different languages and can um, help make sure that we don't lose sight of the, the social side of things, right? Um, we're going to sing another song this morning, and we are going to focus on the love of God with our love candle this week. If you would like to rise, if you're able, we are going to end our time together this morning um, being present in the love of the Lord.
I will live. 
stretches to the skies. A little insight into the process of the preacher. A lot of pe- a lot of pastors and preachers will manuscript, which is write out their whole sermon word for word. That's actually what they taught us in seminary and like memorize it or speak from it. And uh, I kind of have a buoy technique, which is I'm going to swim around in this ocean, but I'm looking for my buoy. And sometimes the buoy is <laughs> it's like, let's take a ride on the buoy, with the buoy as long as I have this rope connected to the buoy. Um, so I really appreciate that we are a body and that you know, people like Allison can like focus <laughs> things into like, boom. Um, so thank you for that. And, um, and also, um, not all who wander in the wilderness are lost, right? And the wilderness is a, a huge part of scripture, of God's people wandering in the wilderness, but it's not fruitless. And even when the axe is cutting the tree, that's not uh, without hope or fruit as well. Um, And sometimes we step into that conflict and that turmoil in order to move forward. Uh, I think about my neighborhood roads where everyone drives in the track when it's snow. They drive in the track and I'm like, I have all-wheel drive. I'm going to drive against the tracks and make new tracks so that all the, the world or the roads melt. Um, sometimes as Christians, as the church, we're called to make new tracks, to make the path straight. Go in the knowledge of that. Go in the knowledge that Christ is coming. Christ is here and God is with us. Go in peace. Amen. Oh, and also there's lunch with pastor after this. Let's say at 12, if you've brought your lunch or you want to head across and order something and bring it back, we'll meet downstairs in the fellowship uh, to hang out. So I know I've talked to a few of you who said you're staying, so let's do it.